You know, last on last week, uh, we talked about a test of faith, right? So but let's jump into, let's go to Psalms 133 real quickly in verse number one. But last week, we talked about a test of faith as we examine a critical point in the faith journey of who of the man who's considered to be the father of the faith, Abraham, father Abraham. Uh, we told you on last week that uh, the world's major religions, Judaism, Islam and Christianity, chased, traced their heritage back to Abraham. And we saw where Abraham uh, faced the greatest test of his life. And that test had to do with family because he was uh, called out by God to offer his son that he believed for for all those years to offer him as a sacrifice on the altar. As I told you before, God knows where we are. He tests us to show us where we are, right? God is a God who will test our faith. And we saw that uh, that we need to, number one, we said we need to expect tests from God, right? That's not anything out of the ordinary. Expect tests from God. And, and in that testing, no difference between tests and temptations, Okay. And we said focus on promises, not on explanations. Focus on promises and not on explanations. And lastly, we said depend on God's provision. And when we do that, uh, we'll see that God will move in spectacular ways on our behalf. Amen. So but we get into this 133rd number of Psalm, which, again, is a very familiar passage of scripture. But I, I thought it needful for us to take a look at it again. Psalms 133, verse number one. And, and we're going to talk about corporate worship. You guys hear me emphasizing all the time how it's important for us to uh, gather together corporately because through the worship experience, there's some things that we uh, can can receive that will help us on our faith journey. Amen. And so when we look at this passage here in Psalms 133, uh, look at what it says. It says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell together in what? Unity. Very uh, short psalm. It says, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Uh, and, and again, this passage here. Uh, in Psalms 133 talks about how valuable unity is for brothers and sisters in Christ, how valuable you, you for us as a body of believers to be unified uh, in our worship experience and be unified in, uh, in in how we do our life. Amen. How how we come together in authentic community to be a family of faith that cares deeply about one another. God values that. And so if God values that so much so that he compared it to uh, the, the value of the oil that was used to anoint the high priest, which that oil was only used, usually most uh, Jewish people only saw that used once in their lifetime. And that oil was so valuable. And so he compared the unity, amen, to the value of that oil. So that means that unity is critically important, amen, to God. Now, why, why am I saying this? Well, in the body of Christ today, there's so much disunity and so much uh, separation and division uh, that it, it's, it's causing us as a church. I don't believe to be as effective as we possibly could be 
if we valued the unity that comes from our corporate gathering together and our learning together and our doing life together. Uh, when we talk about authentic community, you, those who go through the new members orientation class know that that term means that we're going to do life together and we're going to do it on, on, a, on an authentic level. When we do life together on an authentic level, that means that there are times when uh, we'll have discussions about some difficult topics. There are times when we won't necessarily agree with one another, but we know how to disagree without being disagreeable. Can I get a witness? And so when we are in authentic community, we, we don't allow hurt feelings to cause us to break and run. Amen. When we when we truly are, 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 are in genuine unity in the faith, we don't allow those little things to trip us up. So we're going to talk about corporate worship and what that does for us and how it helps us get set on the pattern for where we can uh, move and be the people that God called and ordained for us to be. Amen. All right. So let's let's move on down. So. Uh, when we look at this uh, tonight, again, let's take a look at your outline that I gave you a little, little brief outline. A um, couple of things, a couple of things I want you to keep keep in mind as we go through here. Number one, God desires to work in us deeply. Everybody say deeply. He, he desires to work in us deeply in private so he can flow through us powerfully in the corporate setting. All right. Let's read that out loud. No purpose together. It says what? God desires to work in us deeply in private. Everybody say in private. Say when nobody's looking. Say when nobody's watching. God wants to work on us in private, deeply in private so that what? He can flow through us powerfully in the corporate setting. Uh, whenever someone is ministering, uh, preaching or singing or uh, ushering or serving or doing whatever, uh, that service, amen, to the Lord in the corporate setting, Brenda, should flow out of our spending time with the Lord in our private setting. Our serving in the corporate setting should never be done and, and we're not spending time with God in our private setting. Because what do we say? What does God do? God desires to work on us deeply in private so that he can flow through us powerfully in the corporate setting. The corporate setting, whether it's Bible study or Sunday morning service, should be a time where we come together to learn and the time that we come together to be challenged, to live out our faith in such a way that it causes people who interface with us to know that something is different about us. Can I get a witness? People ought to know that there is something different about you and I. Without you ever telling them that you are a Christian, they ought to be able to see it in your lifestyle. Without you ever saying, I go to Elizabeth Baptist Church in Benton, Louisiana, they ought to know, amen, that, that something is different about you because you don't, you don't gossip like everybody else. You don't, you don't have attitude like everybody else. Even when everybody on your shift got attitude, you don't have attitude. They ought to know that something is different about you. Because of what God is doing in you. Amen. Before you ever say a word. Second thing uh, we, we're looking at and, and sort of dialing down on is number two. Worship times are intended to connect us with God. Worship times are intended to connect us with God 
to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and to realize the purpose for our presence in the earth as his hands and feet. Look at that. Look at that. Let's read that out loud on purpose. Number two says what? To connect us with God. All right. And to realize the purpose for our presence in the earth as his hands and feet. So all of us, if we if we come together corporately and we dial in and we get focused on that and all of us, if we're spending time with God privately, allow him to work on us in private so that when we come together in, in the corporate seven setting, I believe we'll have a powerful worship experience that will include miracles breaking out in this church. I believe we have such a powerful worship experience, amen, that, 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 that God will come in and heal bodies instantaneously. I believe that the gifts of the Holy Ghost, amen, will have free reign to manifest themselves through us, amen, in the corporate setting because we have allowed God to work on us in private. All right? So it's critically important here, okay? Because when we, do, when we understand this, when we come together in corporate worship, I want this church to be a, a place uh, that when people come in, they can sense the presence of the Lord in you, in me, in this in this in this sanctuary. OK, so let's let's take a look at some things and, and hopefully we can learn uh, the value of that so that whenever we come here on Sunday morning, that we come already prepared. OK, and I'm going to hit on that a little bit later. Already prepared. Listen to me carefully. God wants each believer to connect with him so that he can heal us. He he wants to heal us physically. He wants to heal us emotionally and he wants to heal us spiritually. Why? So we can be more equipped to follow him and to fulfill his plan for our lives here on the earth. Amen. It's really not about us. It's about him. Let me say it again. This faith journey is not so much about us. But it's about him because God wants to use us, amen, as tools, as vehicles that he can utilize to spread his kingdom agenda. Amen. Now, listen very carefully. The lifestyle of a worshiper acknowledges God consistently and enjoys communication with him daily. A worshiper. Now, let me ask you a question real quickly. Whenever you hear the term uh, I, uh, I'm going to church to worship. What does that mean to you? Or what do you think that means to most people? Real quickly, when people say worship, what does that mean? Sherry, what, what, give, me, give, me, give me just one thought. Okay. Clapping or holding up hands. Anybody else? Huh? Singing, right? All right, what else? Clapping and singing. So clapping and singing consists of, that's what worship consists of, right? That's what most people think, right? Uh, what about a little praying going on, right? We have some praying. So clapping. So w- when most people hear worship, they think of what? Clapping, singing, praying. Something I said, dancing. Okay, yeah, preaching, right? Preaching is part of the Sunday morning worship experience. Y'all come and hear me just about every Sunday, right? All right, so all those things constitute what most people think of as worship. But I want to, I, I want to, I want to, challenge you to think about it at a little deeper level, okay? The lifestyle of a worshiper acknowledges God consistently. Now, if you're going to be a true worshiper, 
Guess what, guys? It has to go beyond clapping, singing, preaching, dancing, hollering, or whatever, whatever we do in the worship experience. It has to go beyond that, all right? And so uh, it has to go to our lifestyles. When we talk about corporate, we talk about we gather together corporately, but we also talking about as a corporate body, how are we living when we are away from this place? Because ultimately, as I said when we first started off, God desires to work in us deeply in private so he can flow through us powerfully in the corporate setting. And so when we when we fail to realize that part of our worship, amen, to God in, 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 is, uh, is a part of our living for him in privately. OK, so we, we don't just worship him when we step foot in this church on Sunday morning. Amen. In the midst of life's most complex and challenging issues that we face, the worshiper chooses to believe that God's word is true and he cannot lie. Go over right quick to Psalms 34, verse number 17. The true worshiper believes without a shadow of a doubt that God's word is true. A true worshiper has no doubt that God's word is true. Psalms 34 And let's take a look at verse number 17. It says the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all of their troubles. Next verse. Let's read. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Next verse. The righteous person faces many troubles But the Lord comes to rescue each time. I like the way that reads from the King James Version. Would you put that up in the KJV for us right quick? The text, it says in in the King James Version, the scripture says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. See, a true worshiper understands this and a true worshiper embraces this because he knows that God's word is true and God cannot lie. The Bible says God watches over his word to do what? To perform it. So if he watches over his word to perform it, and if I am focusing on promises and not on explanations, then that means that when I find myself in any predicament, I know that I can go to this word, I can confess it and say, Lord, I am righteous not because I'm so good. I am righteous because I receive your son, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And because I am righteous, you said in Psalms 34 and 19 that many are my afflictions. Amen. You said many are the afflictions of the righteous and I'm righteous not because I'm so good, but because the blood washes away my sins. I'm righteous. So, Lord, you said your word, you deliver me out of all of my afflictions. So, Lord, right now I'm afflicted. Anybody afflicted right now? Anybody got some affliction going on? So we who are true worshipers, we who understand that believe God's word is true. And so we can we can govern our lives by that and we can begin to confess that because we know that God does not lie. Amen. He does not lie. Uh, let me let me share something with you. Um, uh, the Barnett group a few years back uh, conducted a survey uh, 
And that survey that they did a few years back revealed that over 90 percent of surveyed adults said worship is very important. Okay, they said it's very important, but that many of them also struggle, even though it says important, many of them struggle to have a consistent, positive worship experience. One third said that they always sense the presence of God when they're in the corporate worship setting. One third said they sometimes sense the presence of God. Amen. And the last third said they, they, they seldom sense the presence of God when they come into the corporate worship setting. Now they're talking about coming to church. Now, guys, think about that for a second. A third says that they do. Another third says that they sometimes, and there's another third that says they seldom even sense the presence of God. Well, I would, I would submit to you that I believe that is the case because, because many of them have failed to prepare for the corporate setting in private. And we come and we think that the preacher, the choir, the deacons are going to have to get us all ginned up to feel the Lord's presence. But again, I go back to what I said when we initially started this message is that uh, God desires to work in us deeply in private so that he can flow through us powerfully in the corporate setting. The survey uh, also showed that most people here, watch this, that same survey showed that most people do not personally prepare for worship before they come into the worship experience corporately, I mean. They don't prepare for worship and they struggle to clear their minds to focus on God in the worship service. Now, watch this again. Most of them said that they do nothing to prepare for corporate worship. Now, I hear some of y'all saying, well, you know, brother pastor, I do prepare. I get dressed in the morning. I make sure that my attire is churchy. Any of y'all got your churchy flow? Anybody got a churchy flow? In other words... Your suit, you know, your dress and all that. Think about this for a second. We spend so much time preparing outwardly to come up in here. But I would dare say that 85 to 90 percent of us never do anything from a spiritual standpoint to prepare ourselves for corporate worship. Is it any wonder we don't sense the presence of God? Because, again, we thought that you come to church so that you can feel better. So you, you, you can shout your troubles over. But let me tell you something. Uh, your corporate worship experience will be lacking if you don't prepare for it before you get here. Your corporate worship experience, amen, won't, won't, won't net you what you could possibly net from it if you don't prepare privately before you get here. Everybody say corporate worship is important. But private devotion is also. Now, now there, there, uh, there are essentially two philosophies of corporate worship. I want you to just jot these down real quick. I didn't put them on your outline, but two philosophies of corporate worship. Number one, corporate worship is designed for God. Everybody say corporate worship is designed for God. Now, how many of you know God is preeminent? That word preeminent means he has first place and first authority. He... His worth is the focus of the gathering. I mean, we again, we all hear me uh, uh, trying to exhort people every Sunday. Have y'all ever heard them, me exhort them to look at me and see how great of a pastor I am? Have y'all ever heard me say, come on and give Doyle Adams a hand of praise? 
You you have not and you will not. Because, guys, this thing is not about me. I'm just a tool that God has used. And he planted here in Benton, Louisiana to share the gospel message. Okay, so corporate worship is designed for God. Amen. His worth is the focus of the gathering. And what he desires is at the center of attention. Now, now that's, that's critically important because there are people who, if they feel like they're not getting everything that they want out of the corporate worship service, they will depart that setting. And what I mean by that, I, I'm not, I don't mean they don't, you know, if you have a church that's not preaching the word and you're not getting any substance, that's not what I'm talking about. There are people who, if they are not the center of attention, there are people, if they are not leading the songs, if they are not doing the altar call, if they're not in, up in front of people, if their name is not being called, they will quickly remove themselves from that corporate setting because they're saying, I'm not being used like I want to be used. But again, remember, the corporate setting is focused on whom? It should be focused on God and not us, right? So first and foremost, what I, what I always tell people when they decide to come and unite with this fellowship, the first thing I want to know is, and you heard me say it time and time again, I want to know, did the Holy Spirit lead you here? Are you coming because the Holy Spirit has prompted you in your spirit so much so that you can't rest until you join this church? See, if that is the case, then you are where God wants you to be. And even though your name may not be called, if you're in the place that God has led you to be, stay where God led you to be until he leads you someplace else. Can I get a witness? So corporate worship is designed for God. Personal fulfillment is achieved through giving God what he deserves and knowing his purpose has been served and accomplished. We got to know and understand that it's all about him. Corporate worship is designed for God. Second thing I want you to just make a, a note of is corporate worship is designed for God to meet with individuals. Corporate worship is designed for God to meet with individuals. Now, again, we should be getting something from this corporate worship experience. God wants to meet us here in this place. Personal needs, desires, and your individual feelings about life and God are at the center of attention. Personal fulfillment is achieved by how deep the individual is touched by God. When God touches you, amen, in your area of need, then that's when we receive that fulfillment. But don't forget those two things. Corporate worship is designed for God, and corporate worship is designed for God to meet with individuals. Now, guys, every corporate setting has usually a different flavor. Y'all, what, what do I mean by when I say different flavor? Come on, t- somebody talk to me. Okay, maybe, maybe there's, there's certain worship services that have uh, a flavor of, of traditional hymns or, or, or maybe it's a, maybe a quiet sort of stoic type church service. Uh, there's, there, there, there's churches that have a flavor where the, the worship experience is more lively. Okay, what, what I mean by lively? There's, you know, there's, there's, there's shouting, da- dancing, clapping, uh, uh, expressions of spiritual gifts. Uh, so that and, and there's different flavors of music, right? All right. Uh, there are different flavors of, of the word. That's the word, the, the, the classic word to use is different genres of music. 
Uh, some some churches use more contemporary music, some traditional music. Uh, but there's different different settings in different places. What I tell people all the time is that what we attempt to do here is whatever that flavor is, if we sing in a traditional song or a contemporary song, we want to make sure that song is pointing people to Jesus. Because in the corporate worship experience, it is all about him. Amen. God is still looking for worshipers. God is looking for people who are giving their lives totally and completely to him. Amen. And so regardless of whatever flavor you find yourself in, whatever corporate setting, amen, you may prefer different types. But just keep in mind that God is searching for the person who is genuinely coming to this setting to meet him and to get their needs met to meet him and to have an experience where they, amen, can grow in faith, okay? Now, when we look at this thing, I I, I want you to understand something. Go go in right quick to Exodus 16, chapter verse number 14. Exodus 16, verse number 14, real quick. Now, sometimes what we're going through in life will, will, will dictate our ability to receive from God and our ability to respond to God. Okay, which y'all agree. What we're going through in life will sometimes dictate and determine, amen, our ability to receive from God and our ability to respond to God. But we got to be aware that to stay in any given rut or situation, uh, uh, you know, for a prolonged period of time will keep us from actually experiencing God's Holy Spirit doing his perfecting work in us. Amen. We got to make sure that we don't allow, amen, ourselves and our circumstance to get us out of pocket so that when we come into this corporate setting, we're not prepared, amen, to be true worshipers and give God glory and give him praise. Okay. So let's look at Exodus 16, um, uh, verse, verse number four, Exodus 16. We'll start at verse number one, Exodus 16, uh, verse number one. Hallelujah. The text says this, and they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. Verse number two, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. I told you all this on Sunday morning, how part of their problem was they were consistent complainers, right? Uh, so they murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The text says in verse number three, let's go. And the children of Israel said unto them, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now watch this again. I told you before, and as we studied this on Sunday morning, that they were delivered physically out of slavery, but their mind was still enslaved. Can I get a witness? And sometimes you can be out of a situation physically, but it can still have you tied up mentally, spiritually. So they, 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 after seeing all of God's exploits, after seeing God deliver them, here they get to a point because they were hungry. <laughs> because they were hungry, then now they're in a situation where they they talking crazy. Any of y'all talk crazy when you get hungry? 
Huh? <laughs> Some of y'all can feel for them, right? There are people who get, when they get hungry, man, they get irritable. Here these folks are saying, you know, he brought us out here to kill this whole assembly with hunger? Look at the next verse. Watch this. Verse 4. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Okay? Now, again, the Israelites <laughs> uh, re- reflected a concept at this time where their situation caused them not to focus on their God. Their hunger caused them to get their eyes off of the God who had delivered them out of captivity in Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I would have been very grateful and thankful that God, I'm no longer being a slave and being beaten, having to work and making brick with no straw. I, I think I would have been so appreciative that if I did get a little bit hung, I wasn't going to complain about it. I, I think. But then again, I think about us today. Come on now, can we bring it up to modern day terms? Now, you weren't enslaved in Egypt, but some of us have been enslaved to a whole bunch of stuff. Been enslaved to debt, been enslaved to sexual immorality, been enslaved to a certain habits or, or you know, where you had cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, whatever, and God delivered you out of that. And when he delivered you out of that, you said, God, I'm going to serve you all days of my life. But if you get two years removed from it, you forget about it. You told the Lord that you're going to be appreciative all days of your life, and now you're complaining. You're complaining, amen, you're complaining now about the job that you prayed to get. Can I get a witness up in here? The one that you, you, you beat the door down, you sent your resume out, you networked, you prayed, you came to the altar, put your prayer request up here, and you prayed over that thing, you, you shouted when you got the job. You came and gave the praise report, and now three years later you're complaining up and down, up and down, or you're still getting paid though. See, sometimes we'll look at the children of Israel and think, oh, boy, what some ungrateful folks they are. But I think if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in the very same position. See, this, the manna is a perfect example, uh, when you think about this, uh, of, uh, of holding on to yesterday's truth for today's experience. In other words, the, 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 these guys, God had to come through and, and, and pour down a man manna from heaven because they were really in their in their minds, they were doubting that he could do what he said he was going to do when he was going to take take them out of Egypt, out of slavery, and bring them to a place where they can worship him. He brought them out so they could worship him. But here they are complaining. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. God, God is God. One thing we got to know about God. This is what helps us to be able to appreciate Him more and more, and to serve Him more and more. Is is that although God's character does not change, his methods in how he deal with us does change. Can I get a witness? His method does change. Oftentimes it changes in how he's going to do. He did it this way five years ago, but I don't mean he'll do it the same way this, this time around, okay? Now, that confuses a lot of folks, amen, because uh, when, 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 when God did it this way, we expect him to do it this, the same way the next time, okay? And so what we got to realize is that he... He, he, his character doesn't change. He is the God that changes not 
in his character, in his nature, in his makeup, but he does change in how he deals with us. He does change in how he approaches certain situations. So we cannot, amen, forget that God is that type of God. Amen. Read the next verse with me right quick. Verse five says, what? On the sixth day, they will gather food and he's given instructions. And when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual because what was, what was happening the Sabbath day, he didn't want them to work. Right. So God, God, God is doing something here. Amen. He's, he's, he's feeding them in a different way. OK, go with me to, if you will, to Isaiah, the 43rd number, 43rd chapter in verse number 18. Amen. Guys, our perspective on our current situation should never cause us to forget that we serve a powerful God and that we should worship him no matter where we are. No matter what what condition or situation or circumstance we find ourselves in, we should always remember that he still deserves our praise. Because think about this for a second. How many times you came to church and what you experienced at home affected your worship here corporately? Let's think about that for a second. How many times has an argument with a spouse affected your corporate worship experience? How many times has a disagreement with a fellow church member caused you to come up here with a boot in your mouth? You know what a boot in your mouth is, right? Not smiling and, and won't everybody know you're mad about something. But you roll up in here not prepared to offer God the sacrifice of praise. Continually. That is the fruit of your lips giving praise his name. We'll roll up in here and we'll allow the circumstance to knock us off, amen, of our purpose for being here in the first place. Isaiah 43, verse number 18, right quick. Let's look at it right quick. It says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Look at what he says here. Verse number uh, 19. For I am about to do something new. How many of y'all know God specializes in doing new stuff? Amen. God will do a new thing in this church. He'll do a new thing in your life if you allow him, amen, to have his free reign and free course. He says, well, I'm about to do something new. Back up to verse 15, if you will, Brother Jay. Back up to verse 15, let's walk down. He says, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator and king. He says, I'm the Lord who opened the way through the waters making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves. He's just reminding them what he did. He says, and, and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. Look at the next verse. But forget all that. <laughs> it is, notice what God says. Listen, you, you think that was something? He says, forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. And man, listen, I, I, I think about over my own life, I think about what God has done for me, how he's brought me out, how he's, how he's made a way out of nowhere. And then I, I, I want to be able to say like, God, forget all that. God, you were good then, but I'm getting prepared for what you are ready to do on the next level. Amen. I'm prepared for greater because God says, well, forget all that, guys. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Amen. Look at this verse. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Verse 20. The wild animals in the fields will thank me. 
the jackals and the owls too for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Is that what God's saying? He says, I'm doing this so my chosen people can be refreshed. Verse number 21, let's read. I have made Israel for myself and they will someday honor me before the whole world. What God is saying, and it's true for Israel and it's true for us. God says, I chose that nation for myself. God chose us for himself. He chose us, amen, to be a part of the family of God, to be, amen, to be, to be heirs of salvation so that we can honor his name. So that we can come into this corporate worship set, setting and, and forget about everything else that we're going through, every situation, and focus entirely on him. And ask him to, to rain down his, his spirit and his power on us in this place, guys. See, God has a, God, God has a purpose for our gathering to worship. And it's not always just to feel good. God's heart is to meet our needs in the presence of the congregation. It's like he was telling his folks here, Israel, at this time, I made Israel for myself and they will someday honor me before the whole world. God's heart is to meet our needs in the presence of the congregation. Amen. But that can't be a substitute for our daily walk with him. In order for God to meet our need in the presence of the congregation, we got to spend that time with him privately. Are y'all listening to me today? Our personal relationship with God is in process. It's a process. Everybody say the process. And as I, and as, as that's a process, our corporate relationship with him is also a process. See, we as a church ought to be uh, having more powerful and anointed worship experience every time we gather here. Now, again, what makes a, a worship service powerful and anointed? What makes it powerful and anointing is when the presence of God is in the place. When the presence of God is in the place, that means that people of God are, are sensing his presence and they are allowing his Holy Spirit to work on them on the inside. Because God is all about change, guys. He's about us being transformed into the express image of his dear son. So our personal relationship with God is, in, is, is constantly in, in, in a process of change. Just like our physical bodies are constantly in a process of change. Would y'all agree? How many of y'all weigh the same amount you did when you were in high school? Anybody? Maybe one. Maybe one. I see Darius. Uh, 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 Darius, you're probably the only one in here that weighs the same amount that you did in high school. Uh, we're changing. Some are heavier, most, and some are lighter. How many of you in here, amen, uh, can, 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 can testify to the fact that if you're over the age of 50, 55, your hair is doing something changing too, right? It's usually changing color. Hello? I tell my wife my hair don't change because they say don't really don't change because you keep it all cut off. But I don't, I don't care who you are, your body changes physically. Guys, there are some things, there are some things that we can't do now physically that we could do at 25 years of age. I promise you, I can't run as fast as I did uh, when I was 25 or when I was playing ball at Tech. I cannot do it. I try it. <laughs> now, when I'm out running, if I try to sprint, I get my form. Now, I still got the good form. I can get the form. 
And my arms are moving, uh, Brother Spears, but I'm not moving as fast as I was when I was 21 or 22. Now, in my mind, Roger, I think I am, but if you were to see me, I would look a whole lot slower, right? Any of y'all ever played basketball, you know, when you're out there playing a pickup game, and then you, you make a move, and your body says you can do it. Dwayne, you know what I'm talking about. Your body said, go that way and come back. You go that way and you fall down. Nobody touched you, but things have changed. Can I get a witness? There are some things you used to do, but you, because of changes in our physical body, you can't do those things anymore. Amen? Are y'all with me today? So we, we understand that there's a process that we go through physically. But now there's change physically, but there should be a change that's happening spiritually with us. The longer that we are saved, the more we should be looking like Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, as difficult as, as it may be, guys, all of us, amen, have to, if we're going to experience the corporate worship setting and, and experience the anointing of God in our life, we have to make a commitment to grow spiritually. Are y'all listening to me today? We got to grow Spiritually, we got to get into the process of growing and developing spiritually so that when we come in here, guys, I'm going to tell you, spirits kind of can jump off on, <coughs> can move from one person to the next, especially those foul spirits. And so as we grow and as we allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in us, it can get us to a point to where we can worship together and have maximum impact in God. The Holy Spirit can move and, and, and we can impact people's lives who come into this corporate setting. Worship times are intended to connect us with God, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and to realize the purpose for our presence in the earth as his hands and feet. So. So, OK, so let's let's, let's jump into those 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 wise there. Number one, we worship to minister the Lord. Eric said to minister to minister to the Lord. So what does it mean to minister to the Lord? To minister to someone is to attend, to care for, to wait on, to nurture and to serve them. Times of worship, listen to me, times of worship should be designed to perform service for the Lord. Now, an illustration of this would be uh, a, a server waiting on the table at, let's say, an exclusive uh, restaurant. We'll just call this restaurant Chateau Bleu or whatever. You know, it's something, something fancy, okay? Now, if you go to a good, nice, fancy restaurant, the process of serving that table, I don't, you know, it's, it's different than if you go to McAllister's. I go to McAllister's and eat, but they bring my stuff out to the table and they bring it and, and, and put the tray down and they ask me, do I want a refill? And that's the extent of their service in that table for the most part, right? But if you go to a five-star restaurant, Brittany, the service quality is so much deeper, so much more in, in, involved, and, 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 and they, they have this fork and this cloth, and they'll, they'll take the napkin and put it over here, and they'll, they, just, they just wait on you. They sit back and look at you. And then when your glass get half full, they right there pour it and fill it up. You ain't got to look around and try to find somebody. Where's the waitress? No, they're right there watching you. They're serving that table, guys. 
Are y'all following me? They're serving that table. Now, guys, that, that, that's, that's what it means to minister. So when we come into this, this, this corporate worship experience, we, we come to minister to the Lord. We come to serve him. We come to, to, to give him glory. See, that unified purpose is, is, is precious to God. When we come together with the, with, the, with the right purpose and the right focus, God gets glory out of it. So we come to serve and to do whatever it takes to make sure Jesus is magnified. That's why we come to minister to the Lord. When we minister to the Lord, we are like that server hovering over that table. I mean, I'm telling you, if you never had good service, you can't you won't really appreciate what I'm talking about. But when you go to one of those, one of those fine restaurants where they give you great service, you understand the difference. Are y'all like anybody out there can witness with me? You'll understand the difference. It's different than going to McDonald's or it's different than going to Popeye's and they being rude to you and telling you you ain't got no chicken sandwich before you even ask them. <laughs> Hello? I tell you, my Reverend and I rolled up there and we didn't, we didn't even say anything, Roger. And, and the first thing that girl said, we ain't got no chicken sandwich, we ain't got no nuggets. Well, first of all, we, we didn't say we wanted a chicken sandwich. We wanted some red beans and rice. But they rude over there all the time, anyhow. But they need some customer service training. That's what I was saying. You know, before you get that chicken sandwich back, get some customer service training. Amen? That's, what, that's, that's my, my take on it, okay? So, but when we minister to the Lord, we should be like that server. Amen? We, we, we ask what would please him the most. Amen. What flavor does he desire or how can we refresh his spirit? Amen. How can we serve you, master? That should be our only concern. Go to Colossians, the third chapter, verse number 23 with the right way. Colossians three, verse 23. That should be our only concern when we come into this house of worship, corporate worship. Guys, why am I preaching this? Because when Sunday morning rolls around. Before you leave your house, I want you to start preparing for corporate worship. When this Sunday comes, I, 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 I'm, I'm craving such a powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit in this place to where if there's somebody that needs to be healed, they get healed instantaneously. I want a sense, I, I want a powerful move of God so that if that sinner comes in, he can't leave out that door without getting saved. But we gotta, we gotta start thinking about church as more than just a place to go. We gotta prepare before we get there. Because we come to minister to the Lord. We come to hover over his table to magnify his name. And I promise you when we do that and when you prepare before you get here, it's going to set a different atmosphere. Right. How many of you know when you when you prepare for anything, it, it, it gets you in a position to where you can perform at your highest level. Right. When you were in school, when you prepared for that test, man, when it was time to go to school and you knew you knew that stuff, you were ready for it, right? You, you, you had anxious anticipation because you knew you were going to ace that test because it was down in your spirit. What I'm, what I'm trying to get you to understand today is that all of us need to prepare before we come on Sunday morning. Don't just show up here. Prepare. Amen? Because God wants to do something in private so he can use you mightily in public. Look at the text. It says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. 
Look at the next verse. Watch this. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are what? Serving is whom? The master you are serving is whom? Christ. Go back to verse 23 because I don't want anybody to get this messed up. You are not serving me. You follow me? The pastor. Because the pastor is here to serve you. Now I understand that we are working together as a team and, and I need your help to do the work of ministry here. But you're not serving me, you're serving God. You're serving our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. If you're ushering, you're not ushering for Jerry Blake or Robert Reynolds or uh, 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 Kelvin Boy. You're working and serving for the Lord. So it doesn't matter who's on the usher board. Amen. If you've been called to usher, then you usher as unto the Lord. If you're called to the song praise message, you sing as unto the Lord, y'all. So to minister to the Lord is why we worship together. Number two, to experience the authentic presence of God. We worship together corporately to experience the authentic presence of God. Not something made up, authentic. Uh, when you, you, know, you Bible readers know that when, when we read about Solomon's dedication of the temple, we see that the glory of the Lord descended and filled that house. Uh, the, the priest could not, if you remember that, the, the priest could not even stand up to minister because the presence of the Lord was so powerful. They experienced God's presence in a way that few have since that time. So what was God's intention when he filled the house with the cloud of his presence? The cloud, which was a sign of his power and his presence, demonstrated that he desired to dwell with man in a close, intangible way. It was a sign of his favor, y'all. See, when God's favor is on a place, he dwells there. There are some churches where Ichabod is written over the door, which means that the spirit of the Lord has departed from that place a long time ago. I don't want EBC to ever become a place where the spirit of the Lord departs and says, I can't dwell in that place. I want us to be prepared when we come here. In other words, we prepared privately. We, we girded up our minds. We didn't allow our circumstance, our situation to overflow our mind to the point where we couldn't even focus on God when we got in this place. Remember the Barnard group said that most, there's a lot of people who, who had trouble focusing on God when they got to the house of worship. I want you to prepare so when you come in this place, you come looking for a miracle. You come looking for a breakthrough. You come looking for your, for your, for your next Great venture that God is going to put in your life. Amen. So the third thing is we come we come to, together worship to encourage ministry to the body. Go to Romans, the 12th chapter, right quick, to encourage ministry to the body. In Romans, the 12th chapter, this passage of scripture gives a clear picture of the basics of New Testament church life, y'all. And, 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 and of course, these these instructions here are, are for life. Many of the directors can be related to the corporate worship service as God joys in nurturing the community of believers here at EBC. Okay, look at Romans 12, verse number four says what? Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. Watch this. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Verse verse six. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for different for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. 
Verse 7, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it what? How? Do it gladly. Next verse, come on, let's read. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tight to what is good. He's telling us about New Testament church life. Love each other with genuine affection. Don't fake it. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Man, why would we get mad or upset because God is blessing somebody else? Or he's opened the door of opportunity for somebody. As as a born again believer, I need to be rejoicing. I need to be and then propping that brother up because God is blessing their life. And if that person is allowing God to be the head of their life, then God will get glory out of what they do. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Guys, we got to we got to make sure that's our our mantra. Never be lazy. I don't feel like going to church this morning. Get your tail up out that bed. Huh? Get up. God has been too good to you for you to lay in there and sleep on Sunday morning. Huh? Heal your body. Deliver you from addiction. Amen. Save your soul and you're going to sleep in on him. Hello? Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord. How? Serve him enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Look at this. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. 14, 15, and 16. Bless those who persecute you. Watch this. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Now, this is something that we got to really work on. Bless those who do what? Don't curse them. Do what? Pray that God will bless them. Everybody say, God, you got to help me. All right, 15 and 16. Let's read. Come on, we got to go. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. See, if we would just embrace that whole section of scripture that from 4 through 16 guys when we walk into this place this coming Sunday morning the the, 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 the anointing and the spirit of God is going to be so powerful you won't be able to stand up can I get a witness the problem that we have in a lot of our churches and worship experiences is that we come into the setting with a bunch of junk in our minds and we have not prepared ourselves before we got here God wants to do miraculous things he wants to heal he wants to deliver he wants to set free he wants to regulate troubled minds but too many times we bring the wrong spirit up in this place. So we gather together to encourage minister to the body. Number four, we gather together for repentance and transformation. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Come on, real quickly. Got to get you out of here. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. For repentance and transformation. Repentance means I turn away from it. That means I'm going this way, but I turn around and I go this way. If I turn around and go back this way, I really didn't re- repent. Repentance means I turn away. Okay, y'all got me? So anytime somebody told you they repented and they jump back and do the same thing, they really didn't repent. They may just took a break. But now they're back doing it. Okay? And taking a break ain't repentance. 
Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Let me say it again. Sorrow that you got caught don't lead to repentance. Because as soon as the heat get off, as soon as the eyes get off of you, you're going to go back and do the very same thing because you didn't experience godly sorrow. When godly sorrow takes place, it'll lead to repentance. Watch this. Come on. Y'all know this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Here we go. Here we go. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the focus. Watch this. This is truly the way to worship him. Now watch this. So if you're not, listen to me, listen. He says, if you're not giving your bodies to God uh, as a living and holy sacrifice, then you're not truly worshiping him. Even though you may come into this corporate setting, but you just fornicated last night. And know you're going to fornicate when you get out of church. Then your ability to, to worship in, 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 in a, in a God honoring Holy Ghost moving way is going to be hindered because of sin in your life or whatever it may be. I just said fornication. That's more, that's more sin than sexual sin. That's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on. Can't nobody see some stuff on the inside of you. Okay. Christian deal with all kinds of stuff. That's why Paul wrote to them and, and, and addressed all kinds of stuff. Because guys, listen, I love all of y'all in here. And because I preach against sin that you may be involved in, don't mean that, I'm, that I'm, I'm hating on you and judging you. I'm just calling out sin. I'm calling out for me as well as for you. Amen? Amen. So we all are subject to our, our, our stuff being called out, okay? But what I'm telling you is, he says this it's truly the way to worship him when we, when we give our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's the way to truly worship him. So if I'm not doing that, then I'm, I can't truly worship him. Verse two. Come on, let's go. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So if, if I'm going to if I'm going to. If I'm going to help set the atmosphere here in this church during our corporate worship experience, I got to spend some time reflecting on me. I got to spend some time in private allowing God to purge me. So that when I come in here, I'm not that, 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 that little thing over in the corner that's causing the atmosphere to be diminished because of my attitude. Or because I'm not, I didn't, I didn't prepare myself before I got here. All I did was got dressed. And came to church. I want you this this weekend. I want you to do more than get dressed this weekend. I want you to pray before you get here this weekend. I want you to go into a time of medication meditation. I want you to pray that God would move in such a miraculous way that bondages will be broken this coming Sunday morning. I want you to pray that God would move in such a miraculous way. When the song praise minister sings, the words will be like melodious tones from heaven. And those those songs will lift up people who have a a broken spirit and a bowed down head. And they will know that God is able to do exceeding, abundant, above all they can ask or think. That's the kind of atmosphere I want to see at EBC. And that's what God wants to see. I want to know, are you up to the challenge? Are you going to go home and prepare? For Sunday. Repentance and transformation. Okay. Uh, Lastly. 
and, 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 and let me just say this right quick. When we present ourselves to God in worship, this, this act of repentance leads to the development of Christ's character in us. And so the, the, the essence of each worship response is a desire to be transformed by superior power. You, you just, just jot down uh, 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. Amen. That worship, the essence of each worship response is a desire to be transformed by a superior power. So when we come into the worship experience, the corporate worship experience the right way, it'll produce the desire to want to do right. It'll have you thinking about if I am in known sin, I need to get out of this. I got to stop hiding it because if I keep hiding it, he can't heal it. But if I uncover it, he'll cover it and heal me. Are you with me today? So so uh, we, we want to make sure that we understand that. OK. And lastly, that corporate worship experience, when we worship together and, and we are prepared It'll release the prophetic in here. Amen. And I, I, I'm running out of time, but, but I want you all to hear this. There, there needs to be some prophetic utterances coming forth out of this worship experience. God, God wants to God wants to speak to this church. God wants to do some supernatural things through this church. And he can't do it if we if each one of us individually aren't preparing ourselves to receive amen from God. Come with the spirit of expectation that God is going to speak a word that's going to transform your life and my life. Come, amen, and, and, and believe that the spirit of God will move in such a powerful way that it'll cause you to experience life transformation. Amen. So releasing the prophetic and, and we, you know, y- y'all saw that in the Bible in the story about the prophet Elijah and, 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 and the minstrel, uh, how, how, uh, song was played then the word came and he gave a prophetic word okay uh he gave a prophetic word amen to those kings that were standing there two of them he didn't even like but he did it because of one he did like see god will give a prophetic word in this place when we amen prepare our hearts amen for corporate worship so sunday when we come hear me carefully here's what I want each one of us to do i want you to first of all pray about sunday morning service Pray that the spirit of God would have his way. Pray that 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 there will be no foul spirit that will step inside this this building, that the anointing of God would be so strong that it will change every foul spirit's intention when he tries to come in this door, that he would just block it. That any circumstance that you're dealing with, that you don't allow that circumstance to cause you to be downtrodden and forget about that you're here to serve God. You're here to wait on his table. You're here to give him five star service. In this place, Sunday morning, let the spirit of God move on your hearts and your mind because the corporate worship experience is so vitally important. That's the you know, on Sunday morning, we gather and guys, you know, I know that we do things private, but Sunday morning is, is the linchpin of our week. And we come together to encourage each other and to try to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, the anointing will flow in this place and unsaved people will get saved. People who are experiencing addictions or whatever can get delivered from that. People who are harboring unforgiveness or, or people whose mind needs to be regulated uh, will, will get freedom when we corporately come together with the right spirit and let God do what only he can do. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.